Welcome to The Unranked, where we go mining for hidden gems in the prospect world. The Unranked is produced by Figure Filbert. Check us out at figurefilbert.com, where you can also find all the latest bargains from Dick Sporting Goods and other partners. Get your Little League team ready for the season. Stock up with our discounts. And now for this episode, here's our host, Matt Gardner. All right, coming up on this week's episode of The Unranked, we have a long conversation about rebuilding with Catfish Paul and Commissioner Baker. After that, we'll get into some more unranked players from each of us, including some hitters and pitchers, and go through some dynasty strategy. Please enjoy this episode of The Unranked. All right, welcome to another episode of The Unranked. We're here this week with Brandon Johnson and Josh Baker two of the senior dynasty owners in the dynasty to be named later. Commissioner Josh Baker is uh, the founder of that league and his sidekick, otherwise known as Catfish Paul, is with us as well. Catfish, where can people find you and how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Matt. Thank you. I can be found on Twitter at Catfish Paul, all one word. (laughs) Pretty simple. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we'll get the catfish story later. I'm pretty sure we'll have time for that. Uh, Commissioner Baker, you are um, you had been working on creating a league with a vision for this for a long time. Mm-hmm. You're the boss of DTBML. Uh, mm-hmm. Please say hello and introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Baker. Um, I'm also on Twitter at DTBNLC, as in the commish, and I don't really use it, so don't even worry about it. And I'm doing good today. How are you? I'm doing well. I- I, when I looked back at uh, all of the leagues where we cross over, I realized we're in way too many leagues together, and I can't imagine that it's any different for you and Catfish. <laughs> right, yeah. I, as, for as many as we're in together, uh, take that plus two or three for me and Brandon. <laughs> I just I don't know how you keep it fresh. But, you know, when you love baseball this much, you got to keep working on new players, right? Yeah, and when you, uh, like, when you have a friend that – is into your fantasy baseball as much as you are, like you're just going to keep doing it together over and over again. So, Yeah, it's very rare that Josh joins a league that I don't get dragged into or vice versa. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I'm pretty sure Catfish is the next one to join the Contracts League then, Baker. Hey, yeah, he's definitely on deck or in the hole. <laughs> I just got in a Contracts League with Phil from Prospects Live, actually. Yeah, he already awesome. tried dragging me in. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, who's who's in that one? Uh, gosh, Baker, it seems like uh, Juicy Jensen is in that one. Uh, in our contracts, yeah. Um, outside of that, I don't really know anybody else in there. There probably yeah. is one or two more guys, but... I think it's a Prospects Live world we live in, apparently. Pretty much. Yeah. All right, so in today's episode, we're going to focus on rebuilding strategy. We'll get some time on the unranked, as we do in every show, but... Uh, Today we're going to spend a little extra energy deep diving into different approaches to rebuilding. Each of us has rebuilt in a few of the leagues that we share. So we're going to talk about how we approached our teardowns, what we looked for, how we determined what kind of window to aim at, and uh, Catfish, I think we're going to ask you to talk about your your teardown of, of your Atlanta Braves franchise first. Go for it. All right. Well, it started, I guess... In the inaugural 2019 season, where I finished second in my division by 13 games, but was ninth overall out of 30 teams. I actually beat five or six playoff teams in the final standings, but my the NL is so deep that I didn't. I missed the playoffs by one game. And knowing that the Marlins, the inaugural season champion, was so far ahead of me, I decided it was probably start time to uh, look into getting rid of some of my talent on the MLB side and start looking farther into the future to acquire some prospects. That's, yep. a, that's a tough spot really to start in. So let me ask you to just talk about that a little bit more because you, you obviously are at that stage facing a good team, but you know it's maybe not a great team with lots of top-tier competition. So 
Um, can you talk about what the composition of your team was at that time before you started the teardown? What was the kind of core? What were the core pieces? So I still have my main main two in Ozzy Alves and Juan Soto. Juan Soto, I took, I want to say, 11th overall in the inaugural draft, and that was not a mistake. Um, pitching was my weakness from the get-go, and I think that's what really led to the teardown. I just every every matchup I was just getting beaten in pitching. I could hang close in some of the most of the hitting categories, but pitching was really my downfall. Okay, so you you went through that whole year, and that's where you chose for to take a new direction. Yeah, I I was middling. I was I would trade a MLB piece away to get a minor leaguer, and then I would trade a minor leaguer to get an MLB piece back, and it just wasn't working out, so I decided to go full on just rebuild looking towards the 2023 season as a, a time where I would be close to competing again. Okay, can you give us a sense of sort of what types of trades you look for, and give us an example of one or two that you pulled the trigger on that really helped you reinforce that window so you knew you were building around the right timeline. I mean, we made a few, so there were a couple of really good ones in there that, that we did. Yeah, the trade that actually really kicked off the rebuild was you and I. I traded you Brandon Belt, Xander Bogarts, and T- Taiwan Walker in return for Brian Ramos, George, Cor- uh, George Kirby, Shane McClanahan, Ronnie Arcuerto, Royce Lewis, and Abraham Toro. So you were making a run for the championship and I was completely out of it. This was, I believe, April of last year when this trade went down. And that was really when... uh, Can I take a moment to... a moment of silence for trading my shares of George Kirby in all these leagues, including to Baker and Kenny Powers (laughs) and how stupid that was for me to give up on Kirby before he popped? I, he, I disagree. You, you did well. You, yeah, I'm not gonna. He is friends. my he is my favorite pitching prospect. <laughs> Thanks, Baker. <laughs> no problem. Okay, uh, so that that Xander Bogarts trade obviously was a was a huge one. That was a monster, but it also was the beginning of an influx of a ton of talent that you started to build around. Uh, so, can you can you fast forward a little bit and and sort of talk about what the remake has done for you and, and where you sit today. So after trading off all of my MLB talent, aside from Ozzy Albies and Juan Soto, which multiple people have tried to get and are still trying to get, I really tried to focus on bats. What? <laughs> specifically bats up the middle. I think I have 12 shortstops that are pretty highly touted prospects or at least ranked I just traded one away today, actually. I traded away uh, Yasiel Antunia. And who else was in that trade? David Austin Wells, not David Wells. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get something David Wells right now? I mean, do it. <laughs> yeah, and in, in return on that trade, I got uh, Braves outfielder Michael Harris, who in my opinion, is going to shoot up the prospect ranks come next season as a 20-year-old. So that's an interesting gamble because Austin Wells on some sites is pretty well regarded. He is, and I just I don't think he's going to hold on to catcher eligibility once he even – I don't even know if he'll get any at-bats at catcher in the major league, so he might only have it for his first season. And I'm a little bit weak at outfield, or at least didn't have – aside from Drew Waters and Soto, obviously. I didn't feel like I had a ton of upside potential in the uh, outfield. Well, and when you want to grab somebody before they shoot up, sometimes you got to take a chance like that. Yeah, and I was trading away from uh, an extremely de- deep part of my roster, so I wasn't overly worried about it. Okay, so what's the new core of that Atlanta Braves team? Oh, right. Um I know a lot of people are down on Drew Waters because he kind of got past or I guess with them signing Ozuna to a long-term deal, it sort of pushed him back down the roster, but I'm still pretty high on Waters, so I like that. Royce Lewis really hurts that he slipped on some ice and tore his ACL. 
really shed a tear for that one because that hurts. I really thought he was going to be up this year, and my rebuild was going to start to come around to the major league level. But in the lower ends of the prospects, I'm, I really like Tyler Freeman. I think I, I, think I like uh, Lovia Perguero even more. I, I think in the uh, write-up that you did of our prospect ranks, you said that he was a future all-star. I love that guy. I was watching him play yesterday, and he stole the base, and I fired off a note to our, our mysterious man, James, and uh, thanked him for trading him to me, and simply the best. Yeah, he's. I think he's he's going to also. I mean, he's already started to come up the the since I got him. I think he was ranked in the mid 200s when I acquired him, and since then he's done nothing but go up the ranks. So I'm pretty excited about that as a 20 year old. And then on the pitching side, I don't have much, but what I do have, I really like. Uh, Ian Anderson, George Kirby, Shane McClanahan are the main three. I just picked up Simeon Woods Richardson in a trade uh, before the first-year player draft this year where I traded my first overall pick, which was third overall, my second-round pick, and another second-round pick for 1.19, Luis Garcia and Simeon Woods-Richardson. So I'm pretty happy about that because I'm pretty high on Woods-Richardson. I like him a lot. Baker, I think um, Catfish is being coy. (laughs) <laughs> a little bit, that yeah. Pitching is loaded. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I'm looking at it right now, and I mean, you, you didn't even mention Shade Baz, and you know I'm right here. Uh, That's true. <laughs> that hurt. Uh, you got a, you got one of the Logan Allens here. Um, I mean, I, this is a third team league. You don't, you don't need that many guys, and you got. I think you got plenty of. I'm not going to say can't miss, but you got, you got major leaguers. Yeah, the ones I do have, I do like a lot. I just, I, and once we get to that point where I'm about to contend, obviously I'm going to end up just dumping a bunch of bats in return for already pitching pitchers. For sure. Yeah, you know, when you're rebuilding like like you are, Catfish, right now, it's obviously, in my opinion, good to have pitchers that are a little bit ahead of the kind of arrival of hitters because hitters can come much more quickly. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Your Ian Anderson, George Kirby stuff is a is a great core, and if hopefully McClanahan gets a chance to start, who knows? But yeah, that's a really nice group. Uh, thank you, I appreciate that. You drafted Bobby Miller. What were the other highlights of your of your draft this year? That's that's one that a lot of people are high on. Uh, what were the other sort of um, highlights from your point of view? Yeah, getting a couple of arms was a priority just to add some depth. Nothing special in there. I mean, I do like Bobby Miller. I think I also took uh, Spencer Strider from the, the Braves, I want to say third round pick. And then who I've already traded away, Austin Wells. I was really high. I really think his power at Yankee Stadium is going to be awesome, but he's no longer on the squad. And then I also took uh, Cubs outfielder uh, Jordan Nwogu. Who has loud tools and people he, love very loud tools. He just needs to get them all to click at the right time. Uh, so, so Baker, when you're looking at a rebuild like that from afar, and you're you guys don't live very far apart, so maybe it's not from afar. But uh, <laughs> how how have you seen uh, the change in in Catfish's team from your perspective? Uh, what's your take on what he's done to uh, to get a fresh start there? Well, <clears throat> to start with. Uh, I thought he had a good team right off the get-go, but like you said, like league context really plays a huge part in his decision here. And I, I think he made the right one, especially with Juan Soto and Alves both being in their early 20s. Like he, I've, I mean, that's that's a great. Uh, I don't know if there's a better person to build around than Juan Soto right now, honestly. So, um, other than that, you know, all his. Be, he went over how at first he was kind of middling, going back and forth, minor leaguers, major leaguers, and they finally pulled the trigger on the rebuild. And ever since then, I've, I've liked everything. Of course, you know, we talk about every trade before it happens. So obviously, I, not that I've signed off on it, but, you know, I, I like every movie he's made ever since. So I'm in a way a little jealous because uh, my team in that league is uh, has a closing window and 
a dry farm system. Yeah, I think um, I, I've been in that same space, sort of mentally catfish, where you're in a league where you're in the middle, and um, and the talent that you have is not going to get you much higher. I think I took over a team about three years ago in a league where I was sixth, and I was able to grow that team all the way up to eighth. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when you're when you're just missing the playoffs and you're not getting better, it's time to make a change, right? So you you can't hang around the middle and hope for things to turn out different year to year. Yeah, it's it's really tough to be in that middle spot where you're just you're close but not you can't turn the corner. And I think that's actually where I'm at in Kenny Powers. I don't want to do a full tear down there because I don't have the Juan Soto base, but that could also be coming this year too. Ooh. Interesting preview. <laughs> Very. Okay. Well, I think we've we've uh, uh, taken a close look at the future of the Atlanta Braves franchise. Speaking of Kenny Powers, over in that league, our man Baker is the owner of the Chicago Cubs, and came into the league I think after its first year, right, and took over that team. Is that right, Josh? Yeah. Um, we, I can't remember how many people it was. I want to say five people came in to fill the open slot, and we dropped all the players into a pool and redrafted from there. So, as you said, I'm in a rebuild, and uh, again, league context played a bit into it in that, you know, having five people draft from this pool of uh, the five random rosters that were left behind, not everybody was going to come away with a full roster. I didn't. I went into a draft with a strategy, but not a strategy that said I'm going to win now. I just said I took. I'm going to take best available all the way through, and uh, see how it works out. I took uh, best available all the way through a draft. Got done. Looked at my roster. Had like two holes to fill. I tried for probably I don't know two three months to fill those holes, and it just wasn't happening. And so I just uh, turned the ship around. I was already young, already had a lot of prospects, so I just went as full into a rebuild as I think you can. Um, 70-man rosters, not one major leaguer on it. If you if you remember, what were the holes that you uh, that you had that sort of stuck with you that season? Uh, the biggest one I remember was third base. Could not get my hands on a third base eligible regular to save my life. Um, at the time, uh, I think. I can't remember, was this right after Jed Jerko's 30 home run season or the season removed? He, he he wasn't valued very highly at the time, and I could not get the guy to budge on him for, for the life of me. He couldn't and even think, get Jed Jerko. I couldn't even get Jed Jerko, and that I, that for sure was the uh, final straw there that broke that camel's back, and that's when I decided to turn it around. And there were plenty of people hungry for... Uh, my major leaguers, it did not take me long to start divvying them up. I think I must have traded you 30 or 40 third basemen, too, so you seem to have uh, kept building on that corner. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still worried that I'm never going to get that third <laughs> baseman. So, yeah, I'm, I'm stockpiled now with, you know, some third baseman and some short stops that everybody knows are going to be a third baseman at best, if not left fielders, so... Now, that league is known to be a little bit top-heavy between teams like the Yankees and Orioles and, and Dodgers and and Marlins. You mm-hmm. aimed at guys like Marco Luciano, and now you've accumulated a bunch of studs. So what sort of went into that sort of filter for you, and, and how did you aim at you know, maybe 2022, 23? Um, yeah, I didn't really set a date so much. I... And any rebuild, if you're going to go for a rebuild, I think you've got to give yourself three years. But my main strategy was um, with my big major league pieces, like I had Blake Snell at the time, like i got to get top end for them. And, but then I also had a lot of middling pieces, like I had like, you know, Kevin Kiermeyer, who, you know, is going to fit well on somebody's roster, but nobody's going to, you know, ship you a top 25 prospect for him. So when it came to the smaller guys, my idea was boomer bus guys, um, something like uh, I took a shot at Sully Matias and um, 
you know, didn't really pan out, but he was a guy who, at the time, they said could hit you 30-plus home runs or, you know, could strike his way out of baseball. And uh, the other route was prospect fatigue guys. Um, like, I got myself some Corey Ray because, you know, there's still tools there, even though he's 26. It, but I was shooting for, for depth, and, you know, a lot of these guys are lottery tickets, so redundancies are always nice. Um, I did get a couple top-end prospects. I'm, honestly, I think the boomer bus guys I shot for are now my top prospects, and some of the top prospects I got back then are now my middling prospects. So it just goes to show you how, the nature of the game. Yeah, and I think uh, there's a lot of chirping in that particular league over some trades. And I, I remember there was a, a trade, I think, a, before you, I think I sent Luciano and Valera to Cleveland, right? That was before you got them. Yeah, I don't remember that. And um, and people were really upset. And it was funny that they were upset over 17-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, there are a lot of very opinionated people in that league that um, they they put a lot of weight on the numbers next to the, the prospect's name. Yeah, I thought that was a funny one. Uh, I think it was uh, our, our man in Cleveland who literally said that. He came back into the league chat and said, I didn't know people would be so angry about 17-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> you really shouldn't be. No. Long way to go. Lots of possible yeah. outcomes there. Oh, yeah. So now how are you set up for this next year or two? What's the, what's the new core of that Chicago Cubs franchise? Ooh, um, man, it's, it's a big core. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, I, so I have my lineup set right now with what I think my future lineup will be. <laughs> and so it goes from the top to bottom, Bo Naylor at catcher. I actually, I, I'm actually a huge Bo Naylor fan. Uh, as, as much of a fan as you can be in a catching prospect, I guess. Um, Nate Lowe, hopefully he doesn't actually have a hole in his swing and will take advantage of the playing time in Texas. Uh, Vidal Brujan, by way of trade with Matt um, at second base, love the hit tool, the speed, and he's a ray. I don't care if he plays second, I don't care if he plays outfield, I just want him on my team. I uh, got India at third base, who is you know, gone up and down throughout the years and is now back up, at least for preseason. Um, Mark Luciano at short. Again, thank you, Matt. We'll, we'll talk about that trade in a bit. Yeah. And, um, and it sounds like he's going to stay at short for some time, at least. I know earlier on uh, with most of those uh, J2 guys, that they're short stops in name only. Because, um, like, I have O'Neill Cruz. He just seems way too big to be a shortstop. Um, I see him more as a left fielder myself in the not-too-distant future. Uh, Will Benson, Hunter Bishop, and Drew Waters in my outfield. But I got plenty of redundancies there. I looked down my roster. It's, uh, got uh, Brenton Doyle, uh, Josh Naylor, Esteban Florial. Hazy Sanchez, so any one of those guys could pop. If, if one or two of those guys pop, I'll be more than happy. Um, yeah, you have seven or eight shots at the outfield, and some of those guys are going to stick, right? Right, that, that's the hope. I mean, if, if I strike out on all seven or eight guys, then I'm just going to retire. <laughs> and be done. Uh, and be done. And that was just in my reserve. I didn't even actually get to my minor league roster yet. Uh, yeah, it's loaded. Um, yeah, I do, yeah. Sometimes I forget because I don't check this team as often because I'm I'm kind of set right now. It's just kind of a wait and see game until um, I I start to make my move. And saying that, my plan is when I do when these guys start to you uh, know actually play major league games, you know I, I want to I want to identify what I got like who you know this guy is high average. Uh, this guy is low average but high power. This guy's my steals guy. You know make sure I have a balance. You know, check the league, see what I think I need to win on a weekly basis. And then, once I think I got a core, like, I'm going to turn all these 17-year-olds into current Major League talent. Hopefully there's a buyer at that time, and hopefully flip this ship around at a high rate of speed. Uh, refresh my memory. What was the Vidal Brujan trade, if you remember? I have it written here somewhere. It was, I got, 
Bruhan and Luciano from you in the same trade. If you can believe that. Uh, How badly did you kick my ass in that trade? I mean, let's see. Oh, 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 man, Matt. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Jose Peraza, who, who, mind you, at the time had just hit, uh, what is he? He hit like 15 homers and stole 30 bases that one year. Yeah, hit career. 300 that year or something, yeah. Yeah, then he just fell off a cliff. And yeah. Diego Castillo, who's still, you know, that uh, relief pitcher at starting pitcher is always nice to have in a league like this. That was the whole trade? That was it. Sorry, That's Matt. Thank you. That is really stinky. But well, then, thanks for bringing that one up, Josh. I think we're done. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're uh, when you're going for it and you're trying to fill a hole, you oh. you give up talent to do that, right? And you take oh. huge chances. So yeah, we've all done it. Absolutely. That hurts. Thanks for bringing oh. those up. Also, back to George Kirby again. You're welcome. Oh yeah, I didn't. Even, yeah, I didn't. Even, don't even know if I wrote that trade down to even make the list. So that was before last season where I had a pipeline problem at second base. I have kind of future positions locked down everywhere on the diamond, but had no future second baseman. So I came to you and said, would you take George Kirby straight up for Luis Garcia of Washington? And you said, yeah, I think I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, hey, I, I'll have to admit, I thought about that one for a while because Luis Garcia was and still is you know, a highly rated prospect, but uh, and normally taking a pitcher over a hitter uh, isn't always the brightest idea, but I felt pretty good about that one at the time. Yeah, looks pretty good now, too. Yeah. All right, so Catfish, what's he done uh, well in that Cubs rebuild, uh, and what might you have done differently if it was you? Just scrolling through his team, there's a lot of uh, jealousy on the amount of talent he's acquired. Yes. I got into this league uh, this last season, so Josh was already done, basically, with his rebuild at this time, and he has all the prospects. I think the only thing I would do different would be maybe a few less of the prospects on the pitching side, but the ones he does have are all high-end, so it's not even really a complaint. I maybe would just focused more on the bats, but he's also stacked when it comes to that too. So I I don't really have a gripe. I I think he did an excellent job. Yeah, it's a beautiful prospect laden team. It's a terrible problem to have. I think the only thing that I would say is if Luciano ends up at third base, you have six third basemen, that's not a bad problem to have. You can always trade two or three of those guys for pitching. So Yeah. Uh you know, you've you've had all the third basemen at one time or another. <laughs> a good, good share of them, healthy share of them. Where's Nolan yeah. Jones now? You ended up moving him, didn't you? I did. Uh, that one, it, he made it easy on me, to tell you the truth. Um, I got India back in that, who at the time, like I said, his prospect uh, shine had worn off. People were a little tired of him. But then he threw in Hunter Bishop as well, and uh, yeah, that was all I needed to hear. Yeah, I remember there was some blockbuster just before that where I got Nolan Jones and you very coyly said to me that night or something, I, I think I heard you just got Nolan Jones. <laughs> well, there's, there's many times where, like, you've come to me for one of my guys and I've said, hey, go get some toys, go get some new toys from some people and then come back to me. And you do it. Within a week, you come back with something that you didn't have before. And I say, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> Mostly it's hurt, but there's a Honeywell in there every now and then too. Yeah, yeah. I have a. I do have a lot of um, prospect pitchers with a history of uh, physical ailments, and they hadn't even haven't even made their major league debut yet, and they're already known as the guy that's already hurt. So yeah. that's not a good sign. But that's that's pitching prospects for. Otherwise it. known as pitching, right? Yeah, um, maybe they're all rich hills, and when they turn 30, <laughs> they'll start to shine for me. As long as they're not all Louis, Louis Gahara, who you also have on this squad. <laughs> I, also, oh. I am not dropping him. I'm not trading him. I'm not dropping him until he's 28. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yep. hey, if I'm a GM right now with the way 
baseball is like give him a two-year minor league deal for you know jack squat and just see if you get anything because that arm is electric yeah and he lost all that weight and i was talking to our our man rockies about that the other day you know who his personal luis gohara is is danny salazar he can't oh, believe geez. danny salazar doesn't have a job he should <laughs> yeah that's a lot of strikeouts yeah we'll get right back to our episode after this quick break The Unranked is brought to you by FigureFilbert.com. Check us out for discounts, coupons, and special offers for your baseball season. From big league merchandise to your little league team at FigureFilbert.com. All right, well, let me take a turn. I'll, I'll give a little bit of a take on my twins and the dynasty to be named later, and um, would love you guys to take shots at it. So uh, back in, in year one, in 2019 of that league, I, um, I, I did a gimmicky draft a little bit and, and drafted a few guys who were sparpy, had a few RPs and SP eligible spots, I think, including Hendricks and maybe a couple of guys like that. And um, so probably made a mistake going a little too gimmicky in a dynasty where you really should be thinking longer term. And, um, and to be honest, the, the regret that I have about that first season is I didn't start the teardown sooner. So I finished 22nd out of 30. And um, I really knew that was going to be true in May. And, and the first warning shot, I'm just looking back now at the transactions, the first warning shot was my trade of John Means to the Padres in May 2019. So he sent me Nick Solak and the elusive Anthony Banda. Baker, you can try and explain that one to me later. Uh, okay. Uh, but the Solak 2020 potential had me excited at the time. I probably uh, gave up on means a little too easily, but um, that was the first little inkling that uh, I was going to start turning a corner. And I'll tell you what the, um, the big one was that really set me off on the new path was, I don't know if you guys remember this, but the Yankees were willing to give me Logan Gilbert and others for Yandy Diaz. And so once I did that, I was tanking the whole way. <laughs> uh, Logan Gilbert was the sort of the new pitching cornerstone for me. I ditched everything uh, through the rest of that year. I sold way too much and way too easily. Like I, there was no reason to really give up on Nick Anderson. You know, I just didn't see the need to have an RP while I was, going through a rebuild, but, you know, if I had known that I was going to turn this quickly, I might have hung on to a few of those guys because I had a, an elite group of relievers. Um, then what turned the corner so fast is I built up a nice core of prospects from all those uh, veteran dumps, and lo and behold, Baker had a three-way trade idea in November <laughs> after the season. And Baker's top line to me at the time, Catfish, I don't know if he was sharing all this with you, but he said, I don't care what else, as long as I get Arenado out of the deal. <laughs> I remember this trade. Yeah. So I saw a chance to totally change my team by getting Luis Castillo and Chris Sale in the same trade. And so I basically gave up everything on the farm except for Logan Gilbert and was resetting around... At that time, Logan Gilbert, Luis Castillo, and Kyle Tucker, and some other stuff. But Kyle Tucker being the, the bat to build around. And then we, we pulled that huge trade off. I gave up every other prospect I had. I basically gutted my system and had to start again at the next uh, FYPD. Came uh, into the new year, I think, in 2020, and got Jack Flaherty in a trade. And that was just like, I mean, that was like cementing my spot for, um, you know, being a, a top end, having top end potential. Uh, you know, as long as you don't fuck it up, you know, or there's injuries, you know, you got a shot with a core like that. So yeah. that, that pitching was enough to, to be um, sort of elite head to head and um, at least had the potential to be. And until I found out about Chris Sale getting hurt, obviously, Thought I had among the best big threes in, in the league, so felt pretty good about that. 
The, the bats were a little bit mediocre, so I kept working on that. And the Xander Bogart deal was a huge one. I ended up doubled up at shortstop a little bit, so I traded Xander for Keston Hira and was able to split up a second and third base. The, the middle infield now for me is Keston and Mondesi. It, it would have been genius if Keston had stayed at second for more than a couple of weeks, but uh, I guess I'll have to adapt as we go like any Keston Hero owner would. Uh, but I ended up with a nice young core, mostly guys 27 and under, a lot of guys that are 25, and that, that Kyle Tucker centerpiece is still there. Um, so I was really happy that it, was, it only ended up being a six-month turnaround. It, it went a lot faster than I thought, and it was the opportunity to participate in that three-way deal with with Baker and, and our man in Colorado. So that was the big change for me, really. Yeah, that was uh, one of the speediest rebuilds I've ever witnessed, hands down. Yeah, I agree. I Actually, I don't even remember you doing a rebuild because you were back in contention so fast. Yeah, you, you wouldn't know that I finished 22nd the year before. Yeah. yeah I, at one point, I remember, like, when you, yeah, when you had been in 22nd, I had looked at your team and like, ah, yeah, sucks, whatever. Uh, you know, he's doing his thing. And then, like, I just glanced back at your team and, like, we're talking to trade. And like you said, six months later, I'm like, this this isn't the same team. <laughs> like, am, I, am I looking at the KP roster? Like, what's what's wrong? Like, you, yeah, it was revamped, retooled, and it's you, you're, you're a playoff team now. Yeah, I made a lot of trades, and, and of course in 2020, it's a crap year, and you probably have to throw everything out, but I finished third, so the turnaround worked, I would say. Yeah, for sure, and just looking at your team, like you, you've you um, you've got a backup for every offensive slot, like you've got pitching depth and uh, starters, relievers, like you've, you're across the board contender, and I know like your division, uh, if I remember correctly, is you have a couple, you got the White Sox there, I believe, they're pretty good, but yeah, I don't see why you're not back in the playoffs again this year. Yeah, I think, uh, boy, when, when White Sox in that league makes trades, he he loves star power. He's ended up, you know, having DeGrom and I think Aaron Nola. And, boy, he just he just loves getting star power. Yeah, yeah. It, he He's not one for middling trades. I got one from did one with him earlier this year, and he when I offered it to him, uh, his exact words were, well, now I think you're trying to pull one over on me, so I got to do some research. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to wait a few days till he got done with his research, and then he finally pulled the trigger on it. Love it. Uh, so, Catfish, you you think the Twins rebuild went okay? I do. I think it went it went extremely well. I love the offense. Like Josh said, you have a backup at every position, and a lot of these guys in a 30-team league are regulars in every other team's roster. Yeah, mine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's Franchi Cordero and Framel Reyes. I I still believe in both of them. I don't know that either one of them are actually going to turn out, but the amount of upside on just your your utility and bench area players is 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 awesome, especially with how deep your offensive core guys are and how young everyone still is. I mean, Chris Bryant is your your oldest starter at 29. I would take that all day. Yeah. And then on the pitching side, I mean, I think Luis Castillo might be my favorite pitcher. So anytime you can build a staff around the amount of strikeout upside he has, and obviously the Reds are just going to let him do whatever he wants, and he looks like he just wants to strike people out. So that's always a bonus in fantasy. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. I do think um, you have a, a man crush on Castillo. I cannot quit Franchi. There's just nothing I can do. He, <laughs> it's tough. It's got to pay off someday. Doesn't it? Uh, I could tell you as a person who's had a crush on Gregory Polanco for the last decade. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't have to happen someday. No. <laughs> well, uh, you know, for for the start of the season, I'm I'm at least pretending for myself that Miles Straw is going to produce like a regular. So, if he doesn't, at least I'm I'm set to mix and match it at outfield. I 
I I'm hearing a lot of mild straw hate, uh, you know, just across the board in the industry, and I don't think it's deserved. Like, yeah, he's not going to be a superstar, blow your pants off, but like, uh, I don't see why he doesn't have a. He's always been an OBP guy throughout his minor league. Exactly. And this is an OBP league. And what's the number one problem with every other rabbit in the history of, you know, the last two decades of fantasy baseball is they can't get on base to steal. And he already yeah. knows how to do that, whether he hits or not. So I, I, I'm pretty sure you got Miles Straw from me at some point. So you know I'm a fan. Yep, you threw him in on something. I don't remember the deal. Yeah, we've traded so many times, so many leagues. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I think, you know, I think Straw's lowest uh, on base coming up was like 378 or something. I mean, he's always gotten off. Yeah, and he plays defense. And we uh, saw how long they put Reddick out there in right field, and he wasn't, you know, a superstar with the bat. Or yeah, the glove. Oh, supposedly he was with the glove. I don't believe it. And, and the one, one of the few games I went to in Houston, he did hit a grand slam and robbed a home run in the same series. <laughs> Still don't like well, that's worth the price of a ticket. <laughs> yeah, it is. All right, you can subscribe to the Unranked on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Do us a favor and leave a review. Let us know what you think. Do you have a question or a topic to suggest? Write us an email at podcast at figurefilbert.com. We want to hear from you. Let us know what you think. All right, gentlemen, let's, uh, let's move on to the point of the Unranked, which is looking in deep leagues for those hidden gems. Uh, every week we like to take a stab at one hitter and one pitcher with each guest. Catfish, maybe I can pick on you first and you can talk to us about your hitter. Absolutely. So when I was going through the guys I wanted to pick, I took guys off of my dynasty to be named later team that I like. And we'll start with Jesus Para. He's an 18-year-old third baseman that the Milwaukee Brewers signed when he was 16 on his birthday. So they signed him the second they could. Obviously, they saw something. He's uh, he's currently playing second base, third base, and outfield in the minors. He only has 65 games in rookie ball. So he hasn't – I think last year is probably going to hurt his development a little bit because he didn't play. But that doesn't mean he wasn't doing anything. He's uh, he's a hit tool guy, I, I believe, with a little bit of power. I mean, they say his speed isn't isn't much; it's average at best. But he did go nine for eleven on the bases in rookie ball. But that could just be picking on bad players in rookie ball as well. That's not nothing, though. It's not nothing. Yeah, I I feel I feel like that can translate to at least a, a chip in handful in in when he gets around to the majors if he ever gets around to the majors. He in rookie ball, 65 games. He had a 118 WRC plus as a 16-year-old. So I think that uh, just shows that he's going to he's going to at least progress pretty fast because he's two years signed. He he's, he strikes out 26% of the time, which is probably only going to get worse as he gets higher into the tiers of minor league baseball. But he also walks right around 10%. So it it kind of bounces out in an OBP league. Defensively, here we got some defensive notes. Defensively, he's not great. In 247 innings at third base, he had six errors. And in 191 innings at second, he had three errors. So the glove could be an issue. And I'm not exactly sure where he's going to play. But I'm hoping he can stick in the infield. I just don't see it happening. He's he's six foot two and 185 pounds as an 18-year-old. So he's probably going to end up being... Hopefully a semi-athletic left fielder. What do you think that weight translates to as he as he grows? I hope it doesn't get much over the the two ten area. I mean, yeah. I feel like six two two ten ish is a is a pretty solid playing weight. But if it gets much over that, he could end up just being like a DH type. Yeah, that is a sweet spot. That sort of six two six three, two hundred to two twenty range. Yeah. So you think he ends up at third? Or where do you think he'll end up playing? I think he ends up being a left fielder. I'm hoping he can stick at third. It's always tough tough to tell. I mean, when you're getting signed at 16, obviously somebody sees something in you. But positions, especially when you're coming, when you're a, a international prospect, you 
positions don't even really matter what they tell you because you never like, everyone gets moved around unless you're just the guy at a position, but that doesn't happen very often. If you can keep him at third a little while longer, you can trade him to Josh for something. That's an idea. <laughs> that is an idea. He loves third baseman. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Catfish. I'm going to have a third baseman in a minute as well. But before we do that, we have a name from out of nowhere from Baker. So uh, please tell us what you were looking at and how you found a name that we had never heard of. Oh, well, his name is Rodolfo Nolasco. Um, he is a 2019 international signee for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And, yes, the Pirates do have international signees. And before you get too down on this guy, this is after they changed their scouting program around. Um, I know the Braves are the big headline in the international um, signing uh, scandal. But the Pirates actually got caught up in that, too, but for the opposite reason. Uh, their guy was taking money under the table to sign less talented prospects. That is awful. It's a very unique approach. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's how you lose your job. Um, yeah, he was, he was taking cuts of, uh, of the signing bonuses for these kids. And so he was telling Pittsburgh their X better, you know, sign this guy, give this guy this much just so he could take a cut. Yeah, it's filthy and uh, wrong. Wow. <laughs> but uh, so this was one of the guys, 2019 was their first year, um, not with uh, that guy Goya or something. It was, I can't remember. Um, so this is hopefully the start of Pittsburgh having some sort of influx of talent that they don't trade away too quickly. And uh, I found him just by really going back through J2 signings because um, when you have a team like my team and Dines to be named later where your farm has nothing, you got to start scraping the barrel. And I do that by looking at guys that, you know, two years ago we knew nothing about and seeing if something popped. He did get 54 games in the Dominican Summer League in 2019. And uh, 54 games, 225 plate appearances, hit five home runs, uh, three stolen bases, but uh, any any speed he shows on here is facade. I, I he's very hard to find film on. But what I did, he's he's six one one seventy five, looks just like your generic J two signee, but he lacks some of the quick twitch uh, that you would uh, want from somebody like that. So his fielding is average. His base running is average at best. But he does have a decent hit tool and some pop. So already at the age of 19 profiling as a left fielder, which doesn't help his case. But I, I could see him being 22 home runs and a decent average of around 270 at, uh, if, he, if he actually maxes out and makes it to the major leagues, which is a long shot. But um, that's not a great best case scenario, but um, if he gets a couple of years in at the Major League popping 20 home runs, that's, that is value. Does he have enough glove to be a, you know, kind of fourth outfielder for a longer stretch? Yeah, that's, that's actually where I see him is that quad A, fourth outfielder kind of guy. Um, and he is right-handed, so um, I, he doesn't seem to have any you know, splits to worry about. He's not like a, a lefty, can't lefties or anything, so he could like his his glove, like I said, it's it's not going to get him on the field. I just hope it's enough to keep him on the field. I didn't get a look at his arm, so I don't know anything about that. Um, but I would just my my best bet for him would say left field, maybe three years as a semi regular in the major leagues. So nice projection. That's yeah, a, that's, that, that's going to contribute something. Right. Yeah. And 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 the if you're a win now team, like those. Extra bats can help you when you're filling a spot while somebody's down for a week, or if you can trade him away at his peak and maybe get a draft pick or another lottery ticket in itself. Uh, that's all I aim for. I like it. I like it. Rodolfo Nolasco, a name in the pirate system to remember. Sure. I'll um, I'll spend a minute here on one of my favorites, and in fact, I know it's the favorite that I share with Catfish because we've traded him back and forth. So. Uh, <laughs> 
there's there's definitely something about for me seeing film on a guy because I I have a man crush on this player, and it it blossomed and grew after I saw film on him. So his name's Brian Ramos. He's a J2 signee with the White Sox. He currently plays third base. He could stick there, but obviously with Yohan Moncada clogging that up, it might require a move. He also is a monster. He's a big boy. Uh, and I think the, the film that sort of set me off on him was seeing him hit a home run. He looks like a big leaguer already. He's physically uh, gifted, uh, big kid. He's still only 19 years old. Uh, he, he really just looks like he, he belongs. Uh, as, uh, as our friends on, on MLB Network say, this is what they look like. He's a, looks like he could be a masher. Uh, for some reason, MLB Pipeline gives him a 50 hit. I, I wouldn't have guessed that just from watching him swing for the fences. He looks like he's going to be a, an all-or-nothing type of hitter. And, um, and in, even in rookie league where it's a little bit easier to hit, he's, I think he hit only 277 or 275 or something. So uh, I guess that the strikeouts are going to go up as he gets into upper level competition and faces more elite pitching. But uh, boy, I just love the bat. I think, uh, you know, I don't really care if he plays third base, if he has to move to first or, or left field or DH, he just looks like a future stud to me. Uh, if he ends up in that happy zone, the Goldilocks zone of, Six two two ten, that Catfish described. I'd be ecstatic. I'm a little worried that he's already that big and he's 19 years old. So it, it seems just as likely that he's in the Eloy category and ends up being uh, so big that he's kind of lumbering on defense. So I'm a little worried about where Ramos ends up playing and that he pushes himself out of a potential everyday job because of that. But I think the bat's electric. And uh, if you see that home run footage that I'm talking about, you'll, you know what I mean immediately. It's like, uh, you know, the first time you saw Miguel Andujar hit a home run coming up, uh, he's got that kind of that kind of power. So, I love Brian Ramos, and I don't know where he is anymore in DTBNL. Catfish, if you still have him, I've lost track of him, but uh, I, I know we share that man crush at least. I do have him. Boom. Yeah, I really. I, yeah, don't I, give him up too early. I, I, he's stuck on my team now. I mean, I do. The power is is great. Yeah, I. I don't know about the hit tool. You're right there. It's, but I mean, he's got a little bit of speed too. So I'm hoping he can stay athletic enough to actually, actually play in the field regularly. Yeah. I would love to see that third base stick a while longer. Uh, Agreed. All right. Let's move on to our unranked pitchers for this week. And maybe we change it up a little bit here and ask Baker to go first. Baker, you've got one of the most difficult names in the minors to pronounce. So good luck. I uh, I just call him Johan Torres. No. Okay, that was easy. That's right. Okay, <laughs> I don't speak Spanish, but that's what I'm going with. Um, yeah, he's a uh, relief pitcher for the Houston Astros. Um, again, another international guy. He's uh, what was he? He's 25 already, so he's actually going to be Rule Five eligible at the end of this year. That's one thing that makes him intriguing. Is that uh, He'll either be put on a 40-man roster or be on somebody's uh, 26-man roster next year. Uh, the main thing that intrigued me about him was that uh, last year there was word coming out from the alternative training site that uh, he was really impressing. And uh, I actually heard that if they had one more injury, he might have been the next guy up in that pen. Um, and what interests me about that is he has a career walk rate of four and a half per nine and I don't believe there's any way the Astros would think about calling him up if he hadn't gotten that under control and so my hope is that with a 70 grade fastball um, he's added some control and it says he only has a slider I'm sure the Astros being the organization they are either maxed out that slider or have taught him a third pitch of some kind and I just see him as one of those guys that can, you know, just a late inning reliever. Um, and we play in safe holds leagues, so any kind of decent late inning reliever is something that grabs my attention. And, uh, you know, 70-grade fastball, 55-grade slider on fan graphs, or whatever weight you want to put on that. But uh, the main reason that intrigued me was, uh, like I said, the fact that the Astros were thinking about calling him up means he's had to have figured something out and, 
He was at, actually here in the Quad Cities in 2019, where he was striking out uh, over almost 15 per nine, and got to high A that year, and uh, that's where his stat line ends, is with a 9K per nine and uh, over four walks per nine at uh, high A. I think this is a great tip for deep league dynasty owners, is to look at not only the prior group, of 40-man additions, but the impending ones the following offseason, because if a team like the Astros wants to know what they have in a guy before they face that choice, Mm -hmm. they're going to give him a look. So he's going to get a shot somewhere this season, even if it's just a couple of games, just so they see what they have. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, if he has any control at all, uh, there is some video on him, and there's a little bit from the alternative training site last year. It's not at a great angle. It's kind of like they were sitting in the upper deck when they filmed it. But he was facing um, Astros regulars, and uh, and he was getting out, and he was getting the fastball by him. I I would love to see the numbers on the fastball spin rate and ride and if there's any movement because if there is it's it's a it's a dynamite fastball so there's that julian merriweather factor at times which is does he know where the fastball is going right so i guess we have to wait and see yeah yeah it's it's a question mark but i think personally because i've I've done it is you're in a deep league like us, 70-man rosters. Like He's worth a zero fab add and a spec for the next year. And if, if by December December 21 or the beginning of 22, if he's the Astros don't protect him and nobody claims him, then there's probably nothing there and you move right. on. Catfish, you've got a uh, yet another Braves arm. They seem to have an endless stream. It could be an issue of being the homer as me being a Braves fan. <laughs> but Trey Riley, I I like Trey Riley a lot. He's a, he's a six foot three right hander. I believe he went to Oklahoma and then transferred to a Chicago area JUCO to move back home. He was the Braves' fifth round pick, uh, 142nd overall in the 2018 draft. I believe uh, he's he's got a a plus fastball that sits mid nineties and he, he gets he touches ninety six ninety seven regularly. He's also got a slider that flashes plus that if he harnesses that he's going to have a very lethal two pitch combination. But that's about where the pitches end. He does have a curveball and changeup, but I feel like they're probably more of a show me pitch than anything he's actually going to throw consistently unless, I mean, he's currently 22 turns 23 next month, I believe. So he still has some time to maybe dial in one of those secondaries, which would be huge. Uh, His command is an issue. It's probably the issue why he hasn't made it farther than he has. He's only played in a ball as a 22 year old. Well, that was in 19. So I guess he was, 20 at the time. Josh talked about a high walk rate. His uh, Trey Riley's is double the walk rate. <laughs> well, that's just impressive. It, yeah, it's 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 bad. But he also strikes out quite a bit, so he just needs to harness in where the pitches are going. And I think he's going to end up being a decent bullpen arm. I don't, I don't, there's no chance that he's actually going to be a starter. I don't think just because he's, I think he's lacks the, the third pitch. I know some, some of the two pitch guys are starting to make their way into the, the higher tiers of, of pitching these days, but I just don't, I just, I don't really believe it. If they don't learn a third pitch that they're going to last as long as everyone else so I have high hopes that he can at least be a solid bullpen arm for the future. But like Josh said, if it doesn't work out, then it's kind of an easy cut, and then you look for your next bullpen piece. Yep. It's a pretty low cost to see what happens and move on. Yeah. The other thing about guys like this, too, I, I think you guys would agree, is you have to get them before they pop in leagues that are this deep. I mean, the the time to have gotten Hunter Brown and Blair Henley was last year before anybody knew who they were. Yeah, agreed. You really have to do your, your digging early. So I've got one of those. I had to dig deep for this one, boys. Uh, 
I think you know I've I think I own this guy in all of our super deep leagues, and um, and I happen to like him, and I'll say why. But he is literally unranked anywhere. He's not on any rankings. Uh, he's not even in MLB pipeline in the Phillies top 30. And my guy uh, for this week is Kyle Glagoski, a Phillies pitcher. He is a, a very a dashing. Kiwi, that means he's from New Zealand, for those of you who are not initiated into the Kiwis. He's already 22 years old, so he's getting a little old for a prospect, and the lost year certainly hurts because he's only made it to high A. But here's what I love about what Glogowski offered. In 2019, he threw, I think, 80 or 90 innings. Let me just count this up here real quick. 80, over 80 innings. So they're clearly building him up on, on the path to potentially sticking as a starter. If you do, say, 80 to 90 innings that year, you do 100 to 110 to 130 the following year, you're on that kind of path. So if he ends up building up like that and the lost year doesn't cost him too much, here's what is eye-popping. If you look at the combination of his A and high A numbers in 2019, he was basically unhittable. His batting average against at A was 144 and a whip of 0.8. He got the promotion to high A, and his batting average against was 193, and his whip was 108. So he looks like some kind of freakish combination of control and, um, you know, uh, hard contact avoid somehow. So I, I can't wait to, to get hopefully some middle minors footage on him this year if he Starts at double A, I'd be ecstatic to see what that looks like as he gets more advanced competition. I, I think there's zero chance that he's owned in a standard size league. So uh, just a name to watch in a regular size league. If you're in deep leagues, it might be the, the, the kind of flyer you want to take to see if he pops for, for next winter. Kyle Golgowski, 22-year-old Philadelphia Phillies. I love those guys. I, I, I'm big on the Blair Henley types, you know, uh, I can't get enough Kyle Glogoskis. Give me all the Glogoskis, boys. <laughs> Where did you say his K rate was? He, well, over his A ball, it was 14.5 per nine. Oh, damn. And he went up to high A, and it came down to 7.7 .7 per nine. So it came down a bit when he, when he moved up. But, but really, when you combine that with the batting average against and the low whip, it's a really interesting control profile. Right, yeah, it sounds like uh, like a Yarbrough almost. Just um, you can hit him, just can't hit him hard. Yep. And that's with, uh, uh, or Dallas Keuchel type of guy. And that's with minor league defenses behind him too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's impressive. Yeah, very interesting uh, batted ball against profile too. So one to watch, one to watch for uh, for this year. Hopefully a double A. Uh, okay, gentlemen, we we spent all that uh, energy going through um, rebuilds. Uh, let me see if you guys have any parting thoughts before we wrap up today's episode. Uh, anything to, to tag us up and bring us home today, Catfish? Yeah, I, uh, I'm i really looking forward. I'm, how many leagues do we actually share between the three of us? We're in the DTBNL. We're in Kenny Powers. We're in STB. Is that all? For the three? Yeah. For all three of us? Yep. And I think the, my favorite part of it is we're all like in different phases in every league too. So it's dynasties, my favorite way to play fantasy baseball. I think I only actually have two redraft leagues and five dynasty teams. <laughs> so just, it's just so fun talking about all these prospects because like even the guys that aren't ranked that we're talking about, sometimes you can still find them even in these deeper leagues. You just have to do a little bit of the research, which is my one of my favorite things to do is just to find a guy that nobody else knows about and uh, just dig into him. Agreed. Yeah, I love that. Uh, before I let you off the hook, can you give us the quick version of the catfish story? Because I know you live just a half a mile from the Mississippi River, so it must be because you caught a 27-pound catfish as a kid. Uh, it's actually close to that. So there is discount stores in Iowa called Paul's to start, and that's where Josh and I as kids would go get our fishing equipment because it was super cheap. So my family has a cabin on the Wapsi Pinnacan, which runs into the Mississippi. And we, uh, as kids, we would fish a lot. And there was one 
catfish that we would catch, but we would get it really close to in to the bank to get it, and it would break our line. And like you, we would get up there, and you would see multiple like hooks in its mouth, and it would. So we just started calling it Catfish Paul because we said it worked for Pauls, and then <laughs> I, and then I stole the name as my video game gamer tag, and then I just carried it on into the rest of my life. <laughs> So, so same fish over and over. Yeah. Probably not actually the same fish, but that's the way we told it. In our heads, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Might as well have been. Yeah. All right, Baker, you're the man on the spot. You're bringing us home. Uh, Fire Manfred. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Yeah, it's just a hunk of metal, Josh. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, God. <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> All right, last bit of advice, Josh, for uh, dynasty owners. Oh, uh, sell high, buy low. Always, always the practice. Always. Excellent. Well, this has been another episode of the Unranked with Catfish Paul and Commissioner Baker. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank Thanks, Matt. All right, thanks again to Catfish Paul and Commissioner Baker. On our next episode of the Unranked, we'll have a close up on hitter profiles. And we'll have our first house calls with Doc Brown. Can't wait for that episode. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have an idea for a podcast topic or have questions, please write to us at podcast at figurefilbert.com. That's figure, F-I-G-G-E-R, filbert, F-I-L-B-E-R-T.com. Also, do us a favor and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. It really helps the show out. Thanks again for spending some time with us today. We'll look forward to speaking to you next week.